1: Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: Chris (laughs) Hovsepian, welcome to our podcast. We are so happy to have you. So Chris and I have known each other for... 10 years now, maybe? It has to be. has to be. My first job out of college. Second? My second? Your second job out of college. And we were working at Beats, which during our time there became Apple. Very uh, special time to be there. Mm -hmm. And Chris and I were fast friends. We had both gone to USD, etc. Had a lot of mutual friends and really clicked, really bonded. I actually moved over to the music team, which later became Apple Music, We sat next to each other. We were like work husband and wife. It was so much fun. I ended up leaving earlier than Chris did, but Chris kept on the journey to stay in music and ended up getting what felt like at the time your dream job. I remember in 2019 seeing the Variety article and this article and that article about you becoming the SVP of global artist development for (laughs) Universal Music Group. And obviously such an exciting time I remember literally being in Mexico City with one of my friends and looking at her and being like, "Wow! Like my friend Chris has really like gotten to where he wants to be career-wise." On a personal note, Chris is also a husband to a lovely, lovely lady named Natalie Mason. Who's that being now? And uh, father she didn't to take my Ella. Lawsuit. Oh, she didn't? No. I didn't take, take my husband's last name. I respect her for it. Honestly. Yeah. Like she, has a, she has you a way should, better
3: she last a,
4: name than she I do. Should
2: maybe take, you should take hers. I was thinking about it.
4: But but it's not even Mason's about that. It's like, it's like keeping your own because it's like you're a strong, you're independent, independent, independent woman. I love, I love it. Love it. I'm supportive. Bye, right, same page.
2: Yes. So, yeah, that's your career. But also, he recently became a father to a little girl named Ella. Mm. And as we said, this is very casual. This is really fun. We don't have all the answers to the questions we're asking you, but we'd like to know. We're just trying to learn and explore and have fun yeah. and meet new people and connect our networks and do what we do best, which is just like have deep talks. So nothing's yeah. Yeah, really off the table. And if it is, just tell us and we'll cut it
4: out. <laughs> yeah. This podcast really stems from a fact that we are just insatiable, curious people right? Always want to learn and on our own path to finding our own purpose and fulfillment. We think that this is actually selfishly very helpful for us to learn from people in different backgrounds and to see what they've got figured out. Mm -hmm. So with that. Yeah. So let's start
2: with what is your definition of success?
3: It's so cliche, but I think what I've learned through these last 10 years and the move I just made is that actually Happiness is number one. And for me, it's just about following that and following the things that light you up. And if you wake up in the morning, you're excited to do what you're gonna do or excited for the people that surround you, then I think that's happiness for me. Money is amazing. I still want to make all the money in the world and I still want to have it. And I have the ambition to do that. And I don't think those two things need to be in separate conversations, but I think that happiness is at least for me what I'm inspired by and how close I can get to that. Yeah. Every day.
4: So let's talk about happiness for a second. So happiness, it's not like a destination, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a state of being. Mm -hmm. So what, I guess, encapsulates happiness for you? How do you know if you're like doing it right per your definition of success?
3: I've worked a lot on presence recently. And I think like, you know, again, having a daughter and being in that, but also now trying to build a company and trying to do a million things at once. It's like, it's so easy to think, what am I doing tomorrow? What are the million things I have on my list? And forgetting about what's right in front of you. So I think that's why thinking and focusing on like, okay, can I be here right now? And is this thing right now just where I want to be? And how do I just continue that and continue that into my work and continue that into my personal life with friends and family? That's where I feel that happiness the most. That's where it's the clearest outside of work or what people expect that definition to be.
4: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's so hard to be present because we're constantly pulled in so many different directions, whether it's from our phones or from our responsibility or kids or whatever it is. It's very hard to just, like, take that, like, second to bring yourself back to presence and set the intention to be Mm -hmm. present. I get so
3: lost in my phone.
4: Oh, it's crazy. Just going
3: through. Is that
4: why you have a baby phone now?
3: Baby phone? Yeah. I, I like,
2: genuinely want to get a baby phone. So I'm like, I don't know if this is going to help my problem but just so i like i would love a flip phone phone. i I want a flip phone should we be going back back to that yeah let's
4: go back so what about the camera that's the only thing i care about you know it's really nice on flights actually like not to get wi-fi and to just have that like full break from your phone and it really just bring you back and like you find joy in like journaling and thinking and maybe watching a movie but like you don't need your phone we're just like we're trained by it but it's a detriment to our presence right and It's hard to like get back to like being grounded. And our
2: productivity.
4: I
3: started doing this two weeks ago where I just put my phone away, put my computer away, and I sit with just a pen and pad for an hour and just get creative. Just start writing and see what comes out from that. And it's crazy. You get to like a 15 minute point where you're just like checking your pockets, checking your like, Mm -hmm. where's my phone? How do I just like this habit? And then you realize like once you sort of break through that, your brain starts to flow again. And you start to think, oh, well, this thing over here, that's thats interesting. And then you go down that rabbit hole. And just when you when you have the time and you give yourself the time, you realize that there's so much going on that you're just not even letting yourself get to. So some of my best ideas I've had over the last few weeks have been just actually putting the phone away, putting my computer away, and just making myself sit there for an hour and just forcing everything to flow out. Stillness. Almost, yeah.
2: Is it almost like journaling? Like what form does that it, come out in?
3: Well, I, I do that in the morning too. Like. Do I, I read, a, have you guys heard of The artist Way? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a friend recommended that to me a little while ago and I started reading that. And I haven't finished it, but like the two really important things that I pulled from that was the morning pages or what they're called. Where you just wake up in the morning, you just write, thre- yeah, yeah. write three pages. And I think a lot of people have a version of that and it's helpful for some people, not helpful for a lot of people. But it was great for me just to get everything down and out and just wake up and not immediately go for my phone, but just go for what's in my brain, whether I knew it was there or not. And then the artist date thing was like the second thing from that book, which is just like take an hour or two every day, just every week by yourself and just go out and go do something that inspires you. Go to a a bookstore, go to a place, go to a museum, go to go in the park, go play a sport, do whatever you do that like actually lights you up. And that's been huge too. So that book, and I'm forgetting why I brought it up now, but oh, the journaling. The journaling, yeah. I start in the morning with that. And then when I get to it in like the middle of the day, mid sort of work, like as a part of sort of like, I'm working now. I'm thinking now about what I want to accomplish. I just, right. pull, it, I just pull it out again and just start flowing.
2: Okay. So let's go back for a second. So 2019, you get your dream job with Universal Music Group mm-hmm. and you're like... At least from the outside as a close friend, I was like, this is it. He's made it. Did you feel that way? How long did you feel that way for?
4: hmm
2: You know, like walk us through that journey of like that those emotions, right? Cause you go from literally being like, I made it, I assume. And then that completely shifts. Yeah. yeah.
4: Talk us through like the This It's also right before COVID.
2: Time. Like a year before COVID. Yeah.
3: I've been really, really lucky with my career. I think I started my first dream job, like the first job when we were at Beats together, like that to me, there was a two-year span of time that like was magic. It was like the group of people that were there. Yeah, very special, yeah. the time, The time we'll in music. Yeah, <laughs> like the time in music, everything was changing. Spotify was becoming this thing, but Jimmy Iovine and Trent Reznor and like just the group of people were just like, trust us, like streaming is going to be a thing and we're going to go do it our way. So when you put a group of people like that together who are just actually excited every day and passionate about what they do and just say, go in a room and figure it out, you don't get that often. And we were essentially a startup backed by one of the The biggest, biggest coolest companies in the world at that time. So I look at that and I remember that feeling and that energy and like the connection between me and all those people and what we were doing or what we could do as like, how do I recreate that? for myself going forward like when I start my own company or I start to hire people or wherever I go and end up that's the feeling I'm actually chasing so did that we got bought by Apple I never thought for a second I would work for Apple in my life I didn't know what was my life was going to be it was obviously incredibly ambitious and still am but Apple's a whole you know that's the biggest company in the world that's like that's yeah and to just
2: be like gifted that in a weird way
3: And to be gifted that and sort of have to get in there and figure out what is my place here was definitely an incredible experience. Obviously, a stressful one, a scary one when you're in it. You don't want to,
2: can we cuss? Yeah. Okay. There's no rules on this podcast. I don't know.
3: You don't want to fuck that up, right? So I ended up sort of just finding my way at Apple because I just really naturally trusted what I was into and where my passions were. And at that time, again, I think all of us grew up listening to everything and being inspired by everything, especially when it comes to music. So that I think consciously or subconsciously became my lane in that building. Apple was this, at least to me, in my own experience, it was this like scary place that no one saw behind the curtain. No one knew what was going on. They just knew it was powerful and they knew they loved it but I think for people in music and especially for myself, I wanted to be that connection between people outside of the building to what Apple could be and what we wanted it to be. So, you know, again, along the way it's like you find a 13 year old Billie Eilish and you just see what that energy is and what she wants to become and how so herself that she is that you just want to create space for those people. And that's really what I was focused on. There was like, finding those young artists from around the world that just knew themselves so well that you didn't have to really, it was so hard to describe, you just had to trust it. And I think a lot of people had a tough time understanding where do we put these artists? Like where do they fit here? Do they fit there? And I think the answer that at least I wanted to go with was like, we don't have to define it. That's the point. Like this next era of great artists will not want to be defined because they're
2: Gen Z, yeah, because <laughs> because they're just
3: like they're just like us, and in their own from music perspective, and beyond that, like they just they want to do what they like, and once people buy into a person instead of a song, that's how you build an incredible brand.
2: Okay, so I have a thought. So coming back to you though, mm-hmm. it sounds like you because I was at I was there during that acquisition, and I even looking back now have the wherewithal to be like I had no idea what I was good at, or in like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like to create your own lane and your success in this huge mon- like beast that was Apple. Like Apple is so big, so corporate, so different than what Beats was. It sounded like you had to understand your strengths mm-hmm. and know yourself. So more than trusting these artists, it sounds like a self-trust thing.
3: Yeah, I think a little I think a little bit without realizing it at the time. Like it was such a I can't even believe I'm here type feeling that I was just like I don't know what I'm doing. I have zero idea what I'm doing, so I might as well just go with what excites me and the artists I like listening to or the artists I'm finding that I think are interesting and let me just go try to help them. I think it was really as simple as that at that time because you know I was just having this conversation with someone the other 2 days ago. I was like I still like question like what I'm good at or like what am I bringing to the table like what that value is from like a hard skill perspective when you're sort of a soft skill person. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot to dig into into just that topic on its own. But but yeah, I think that's... When I think about my dream job and this sort of dream career and like what was happening in that time, it was sort of just actually falling into great situations, building a reputation, I guess, to, to the point right before myself and my partner JJ went to Universal which was people, you know, we did good work with people. We had pure intentions of how do we just take great things and make them as big as we possibly can and play any role that we can to make that happen. And then Universal was absolutely like my dream job. Like we drew that. We were lucky enough to be able to draw that up and find a home that trusted us with it to go build a label and, and really take that same energy that we had at Apple, which was going and just finding these new artists before the data, before the numbers said, you know, this is an absolute yes. And saying, yes, you're the one. How do we help you? What do you need? How do we understand you? How do we help communicate what you're saying, what you're trying to do to the rest of the company and then to the rest of the world? And that's all I could have asked for at that point, for sure.
4: Yeah. I think like something that's really fascinating from that is that I think the only way that you could have created all these relationships with artists and get them to believe in you is that if you had a great relationship with yourself and actually knew yourself, like you can't be super insecure in yourself and then create a deep level of connection with a artist. Right. Yeah. So it's like, how do you think that you honed into that? Like, do you think your career helped you or were you always like a confident person in yourself? Like what was the Chris like in high school? Like, how did you have that in you?
3: Um, or was it learned over Yeah, time? no, I think, I mean, there's a few answers to that question. I think being around artists so often, being around just smart, I was just always trying to find smart people, like whether it was on Instagram, whatever, that I just looked at and was like, you're great. And maybe it's because you're creative. Maybe it's because you're smart. Maybe it's because you just seem like a good person. Like I want to just be around those people as much as humanly possible. So I think over time, when you start to just surround yourself with those people who inspire you, you... I find like you know for me it's like I found a little bit more trust in myself to be okay with like who I was and what I was bringing to the table. But the high school Chris was sort of the same and and but very different on the inside. Like I was sort of a chubby shorter kid like in high school but I still had this blind confidence for some reason. Like I still <laughs> you know was the loudest in the room and wanted to connect like all these different you know the the cheerleaders and the jocks and the whatever it's like that was still a real thing then. I'm so curious to see what high school is like now. But I wanted to be that person that didn't feel like I needed to be put in my own box of like, I can't hang out with these people. I just tried to be myself. And I think I really get that from my dad. My dad, like yours, is very much like a larger than life person and sort of walks into every room and like brings that energy. And like he always taught me, like, just enjoy your life and just in be around the people you want to be around and live in that way and bring that to everything you do. So I probably brought it, you know, got that from him growing up. And I had that sort of like false sense of confidence because internally I was like the most scared Insecure kid in the world. It's
4: like you fake it to you make it yeah, and then you I get to another level for and then sure. you keep up leveling yourself. And then you like somehow have this like confidence because you've just kept putting it on for a while and then it becomes because well, then people
2: also respond and then your reality becomes so yeah. it's like the law of attraction, right? You like put something out, and even if it's not necessarily a hundred percent authentic, because everyone has self-doubt, mm-hmm. insecurities, especially at a young age. And then I think people respond well to that because it's like, who doesn't want to be around that energy? And then that just gives you the like that yeah. affirmation of like, okay, I'm going to keep going on that path.
4: Yeah. So it didn't seem though, like when you were in high school timeframe that you were like, quote unquote, following the rules of everything and like fitting into norms, right? Would you no, say that?
3: I, I think what I've learned is that like unconventional is like a word that's like like been in my brain forever. Like yeah. when I see someone, when I see a bunch of people doing one thing, I'm almost immediately like, how do, what's how going do on? I go right right? Way.
4: But then in terms of your career, you went into like, you know, corporate companies yeah. for a lot of your time, which is more on the conventional. Totally. So it's interesting now to see that you started from like unconventional high school kid, not following the rules to then going into like corporate kind of following the rules to then quitting your job <laughs> yeah. recently. I don't know if we mentioned that in the introduction, but Chris just Did like left you. Um, start oh, his sorry, own company four months ago from that cushy, sexy dream job and actually quit. So it's just interesting to see how you're you're coming back to yourself almost yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it's like a full circle moment of like, yes, I'm going back to like unconventional, and yes, I have a one year old kid and all of these <laughs> responsibilities, probably, but this is my dream, and like I want to pursue it,
3: yeah. I mean, you you really said that well, um. I think this whole journey has been like a way to go back to myself and where I felt most comfortable, not in the sense of like, you know, complacent, but actually like most comfortable in like who I am and like getting closer to the sun in terms of like what I'm about, what I care about. Because I think through that process of the last 10 years and being at these big companies and being surrounded constantly by the best of the best, like in, in music, I definitely like had so much self-doubt of like, again, like I said, what am I bringing to the table? Like, what do I do here? Like, how do I latch on to other people to try to feel like I'm meant to be here? Mm-hmm. So through that, I, and I'm very happy to say it, like I totally lost myself in that process, especially like, the last couple of years, I was definitely in sort of the belly of the beast. And, and I think it's easy to, to just feel like you're not, you know, you're not as great as you thought you were. But I think the reality is, is like the farther you sort of, and what I'm learning now is the farther you step away from like that understanding of who you are and what you bring naturally, I think the the easier it is to like just start to slip and and be your own worst enemy.
4: What was some of the signs you started to notice when you were at Universal that like made you quit your job? Did you start to realize, become more yeah, self-aware? Like, when did the,
2: the allure and the sex appeal of like, I have this title and this access and like you, you had what was your dream job? Like, when did that start to fade? Why and like, yeah, I remember having these check ins with you and being like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, like kind of moving through it. But like, what was that um, process?
3: It's funny because like I still like Universal was such a positive experience, like really, and I knew what I was signing up for, which was to get so uncomfortable every day because there was so much I needed to learn like mm-hmm. going from streaming into label world even though I worked with labels every day at Apple are two totally different things and having a great idea about oh these two artists should work together and in a meeting I used to be in at, at Apple and then actually being on this side on the label side and having to actually go get that done if you have a good idea and go through the million steps of the process and understand the business of what it means to put two artists together and X, Y, and Z, like, that's an incredible learning process. And I think now, like I've even more into what I'm doing, you know, with Jane, like, I love this feeling of being uncomfortable now. Like I'm actually craving it. Like there was this Kendall, Kendall J Shetty and like, pot, yeah, like the pot that. Mm-hmm. and, um, I threw that on and I think she said a few things that I was I actually really loved. That one was that she's she's like addicted to self-improvement. Yeah. And um that hit me in a big way. Cause as you know, like I've seen she started as my energy healer, is what Cynthia is to me. But she would hate if I said that. So she's my life coach, really. And she's the person that's taught me so much of the I think the wisdom even scratching the surface of, and that I have today because I've learned through weekly, monthly just checking in with her like I'm starting to be so much more aware of what the issues are with myself and where they come from, most importantly.
4: Like your triggers and yeah. where they stem from, yeah. Where
3: they yeah, my triggers where they stem from my childhood just things I didn't subconsciously realize were happening that now flow into every decision I make every day. All the self-doubt, all the confidence, all the whatever, it's it makes up who you are. So yeah, I mean, I just, I, th- I think about the universal time is like, I signed up to be uncomfortable. I signed up to learn as much as I did and it actually didn't lose the, it wasn't about the sexiness and the title, like that's all cool. But I think once you jump in it and realize that like, that's just a part of the game in in music and, you know, we go through COVID and we go through a time where it's like, all right, all this being around people and being out at the shows and doing all the things that would take up a lot of our time and keep us excited and keep the energy. Like, I love that. I feed off that. I feed off being around people like throughout my twenties, like my favorite part of the job was running around and meeting people and hearing the stories and figuring out ways to do things together. So when you have to sit behind a a computer screen on zoom from seven o'clock in the morning until eight at night for two years, I think that shows you really clearly like where, Do my passions lie in this? And I think that definitely started to make me think about it as my deal was sort of coming up and thinking, okay, do I want to do this again? And if I do this again, how would I do it differently? Or do I want to take this as a moment to look at what I've done for the last 10 years and do a bit of an audit on myself and say, here's what I learned over the last 10 years about myself. Here's what I thought I was good at. Here's what I'm actually probably good at. And here are the things now that I actually really enjoy and love that maybe I can take this chance to go follow, even though I just got a house and I just had a kid. And maybe this is the dumbest idea I can possibly ever make. I mean, the dumbest movie I could possibly ever make because I worked so hard to get to this place, like climb this mountain. That I think a lot of people are climbing. So it's like, Yeah, I didn't. It it actually wasn't about universal at all. It was very much about, like, as I started to think more and take the time to think about, like, what I want my life to look like Mm -hmm. and what was important at the core of my life, going back to happiness and what that means. That made the decision really clear that it's not about all these external things anymore. It's actually about,
4: yeah. I think that's really beautiful because I I can relate to that a lot. I think COVID was a time of like real deep self-reflection and any kind of like demons that you had were like brought to the surface. And so there was so much like personal growth Mm -hmm. in that time. And I also, I had this time of like, I took so much inventory of my life and it's like, you know, I am in an airport industry and- while it's like cool and like, you know, very hard to get into and coveted and there's so much brand awareness and so many eyeballs, it's also a very bureaucratic industry. Um, and it's a very, you know, I guess like nine to five status quo type of industry where people don't have the same innovative mind as they do in tech. It's also a male dominated industry. Mm. And, you know, I started to realize like, My magic is relationship building, being in the field, like all that kind of stuff. And a lot of my magic is being dimmed in this industry because I'm a female. Unfortunately, I feel undermined. You know, I don't feel like in my worth, I'm dealing with people who are never going to understand my complete vision, Mm. but that's my choice to do that. Right. And so when you take inventory of that and you're like, well, like, why am I not spreading my magic? then it's kind of like, well, maybe I'm in the wrong industry Mm -hmm. or maybe I need to look at my life and kind of change it a little bit. So Mm -hmm. similar to what you said, it's not about that the job is no longer sexy. It's not like my company was no longer like a good idea. It's more of like we started to uncover things about ourselves Mm -hmm. and that maybe like our current career is not the best use of those things.
3: Totally. Yeah. And look, like I, when people say like I left music, it's like Sure. In this moment, I think it's one of those things where it's like music is such a core part of who you I are. am that no matter what I do in my personal life or in my work, like it's always going to be a central theme and a central thing I go back to because it just, it just is. I stepped away from it now because like at this moment in my life, going back to what you just said, like once you start to ask a lot of questions and have to answer tough questions to yourself, you start to realize that, oh, it's, it's okay to change a little bit. It's okay to like not have the same exact idea of who you are and like where you were going to be when you were 18 years old. And I'm 32 now. And it's like, that's, I'm so, I am couldn't be happier with how mm-hmm. my 20s went and what I was able to accomplish. But I feel like, again, leaving is scary, but I I feel more like I'm 20 now than I did for the last five years. Like- I think when you jump into things that just like fill that need of what the lessons are you're supposed to you're supposed to learn in your life at this point, like that's when you're closest to just being fulfilled fulfilled, really, right. yeah, yeah,
4: and I think like a fallacy I want to debunk here too is that like there's no such thing as a good time, like you were like, I just mm-hmm. had a kid and I got married, and I whatever bought a house. it's like. People think that like there's a good time to quit your job or to take a risk or like they feel ready. Like that's not like a thing. Like speaking of fallacies, we want to debunk, right? Like there's no such thing as like really feeling ready or there's a good time. It's at a place where you're just like, like, there will always be let's something. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of like an internal thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this risk and I have the support around me. I have this, like some security that I need and like, let's do this and let's see what happens. Because the worst case scenario is not that you fail, right? The worst case scenario is the growth. is like, totally. there's so much growth on the other side. So if you stay in the status quo, you're losing out and missing a chance on growth.
3: Well said. I think the debunking the fallacies piece to me is like a big topic. I hope we talk about it more in the next however long we're going to be here because like.
2: That's the part of the purpose of this podcast. Yeah.
3: What I,
4: other I, what other fallacies do you feel yeah, like? Yeah, we want, want to use? expose the, the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: I mean, let me think off the top of my head. But I think like for me, I've been doing a lot of a lot of listening to there's a podcast called Founders. I don't know if you guys have ever heard yeah. of this where, you know, he's just sort of going through biographies autobiographies the most impactful people of all time Mm -hmm. and just sharing like sharing what those stories are sharing what the overlap is especially over time um between all these people
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and i've been doing a lot of that i've been doing a lot of just watching you know i was watching last night like virgil give a you know give a talk at harvard things like that are the stories of my favorite companies or people that are most impactful in my life that i look to is like how did you even do what you did And I think the biggest thing to realize is like, A, there are no shortcuts. No one's ever going to do the work for you. And I think that's a tendency like that I've, I'm now sort of like, you know, getting the rust off. Like I've been at big companies. I've had so much resource. Yep. And now when you're on your own and it's your your money and you have to make every decision and you have to trust yourself fully and all these things that like my gut reaction was like, who do I, who can I call? I have all these relationships. Who can I call to like help me with this? Cause I'm sure I've got people that can help me with this. And what I realized, like what I am realizing every day is like, that's not the point. The point of you doing this is to actually like feel these things. Yeah. And it's
4: the journey of figuring it out on your own, not like getting it done. Right. For
3: sure. It's like, you have to go through it and you have to go figure out, oh, you've never like Powder coated a product before, like, okay, go figure, like, Google, YouTube, YouTube. like, go learn. Like, that's a thing where I think, like, that repetition of constantly realizing that you're going to wake up every day, especially in a different business. Like, I'm, I work in golf now. You know, it's like I'm in such a different space, but I'm taking everything I learned from a creative perspective and a relationship perspective and how to, and a brand building perspective and applying it over here, but still under the hood where it's not sexy and you're doing all the work every day and everything from posting on the Instagram to figuring out what the business looks like to figuring out how to go make the product if that's what you're doing and you've never done that shit before that's the stuff you're actually waking up and looking at your list and most scared to go do first it's the the set of things you resist the most and I think it's I'm just learning you have to run towards that resistance if you put those things first like they're the things you're really supposed to do because if you do those things, that's where you're going to feel that growth. You're not going to feel the growth from the five things on your checklist that are easy because you've done them before. you got to go and try the rest. And is that
2: growth what has... Because I think what I have found... Well, first of all, have you guys heard of Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The War of Art? I love The War of Art. Incredible book. Incredible person. He was on Oprah. So if you want like a synthesized version, but his whole thing is there's always resistance to Mm up-leveling. To change. That's where I picked this up from, by the way. Right. So whatever (laughs) you're doing, that's big and bigger than you. And like, usually that resistance means you're probably headed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which Mm -hmm. is pretty amazing. Discomfort equals growth. Right. I guess my question is, so A, what drew you to golf? I mean, I can guess. Yeah, I was going to ask that too. want to mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. And every day when you do wake up and you have a list of five things to do and, you know, one of five you know how to do and mm-hmm. the other four you're like, shoot, this is daunting. And mm-hmm. this is like when your real blocks show up, right? Like for me, it's I like procrastinate and that's a new thing yeah. for me. Now I'm like, oh, like, how do I do this? Where do I go? Even though it's like I could figure it out. A, how do you overcome that? Because that's definitely a mental block and an emotional block. But B, like, how do you find fulfillment in that. Like, how do you be like, yes, like I'm still going. Cause I feel like that sometimes where I'm like, this is tough. Should for I be sure. doing this? Like, for sure. Can I do this? Do I need to do this? Should Man, I hire for self-doubt this? Self-doubt comes in and. Yeah. And there's imposter syndrome and you're like, and then it gets, it just can be so overwhelming.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with that question. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's
2: a loaded question.
3: That's on my mind every single day right now. Like that is like, you know, you've, you built it. Like you've seen it, like you're just in it. And, you every day you have that list of how am I gonna go do this? And I think to me, what I felt even the last like few weeks is like the more you find a rhythm and actually like tackling these things and, and checking the big ones off the list, the more you get a bit of like an eye of the tiger feeling. Like I think as a founder or someone who just has an idea that wants that that you know what it's gonna be. Sometimes you don't have the perfect words to describe it yet to people because you see the 10 year plan. And people always want the right now. But I think, like, knowing that in your gut, what your thought is here and what this idea is, and if you truly believe in it, that's what drives you. Like, that's what drives me. Like, I wake up every day and I'm like, I know this is gonna work. I don't know how, cause I'm almost like gonna run out of money, or <laughs> I have no idea how to do this, or like, wh- what am I even doing? But like, I know it's gonna work, and I just sort of have to trust. That as long as I just put my head down every day and look at these things and say, "Okay, even if I chip away a little bit at how to go find out how to do x, y, and Z, that's gonna fuel me like uh, if I keep trusting it, like the answers will come as I continue to put the work in and I think it's really easy to realize like, okay, if I don't do this today, like if I don't do this thing that I know I need to do and I'm a one man show building a company, then it's just not gonna get done. and I think once you realize that. You don't have the resources. The company isn't going to just cash flow as you sit here and have fun and do whatever you need to do. Like it gets real. And I think that's like my biggest, like I think about having teachers in life and it's either people or scenarios or whatever it may be. And this process right now to me is like everything I needed, I need and and needed to learn because I'll be the first to say, like I grew up. I had a great life growing up like my you know parents took care of me beyond my mom was like anything I'd ever needed was she would go and do it before I even asked. I grew up that way and I think for better or for worse it's like that ingrained something in your brain about how hard you have to work for something or what you could expect life to be or what you deserve. So I ju- that's why I always find people's stories fascinating because I think so much of like where they've come from and where they start, helps or dictate if, you it. know, helps dictate how you work and how you think about things and how you approach things, especially as you go through life. So that to sort of answer your question, mm-hmm. I think it's like that's just what I'm thinking about every day right now. Is like, oh, everything is tough right now. Yeah, everything is tough and, right now. And- like, what am I posting on Instagram tomorrow on my, you know, for but my, pay, you're like, embracing
4: you know? that you're not being like, Oh, that's so daunting. Whatever for you're sure. like, I'm embracing it. But like, speaking from some experience, like I know, I remember the days of like being a early stage founder and just figuring it out. But like what I found, and I think this is what you're saying is that you give yourself your own internal validation by being like, well, I just did that yesterday. And I just yeah. learned how to do that yeah. yesterday. So today I could do this too. Versus in the corporate world, I think at least I like relied more on external validation. Mm -hmm. Like my boss telling me good job or having a meeting go well. And now it's like, I'm relying on my own internal validation and previous experience that I just did that. I can Mm -hmm. do it again. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful because it really like builds your own self confidence and self-worth and whatever, because Mm -hmm. you know, you can do it.
3: Totally. Yeah. I, I think it's two things. It's that where now it's like, you just that pat on the back or like, good job. Like that's cool. But like, I think when I started this, like this idea, which we can get into in a second, but it's like, I was really so focused on trying to get people to like validate it for me because I had just,
2: just I was trying to make sure,
3: I was just trying to make sure that the the decision I made was was the right decision, yeah the right decision, which it's like, it's such an insane thought, but it's like, it's how everyone thinks. So my first thought was like, how do I get validation from someone? How does someone tell me that like this design is cool or the name is cool or like these colors are cool. Or, like this idea is cool. And um, I think that was one of the biggest learnings that I realized was like searching for people's opinions is like the quickest way you, you get away from like your,
4: your, tr- your most your authentic truth.
3: self. And I think in order to build something, especially now, I fully believe over the next 10 years, and I was just watching a Mr. Beast interview, like, over the next 10 years, every major brand, like the Cokes and the Pepsi, like all these big companies that they're just big brands but aren't really, they don't. there's no human feel to them, I think are going to get replaced by brands that are started by people that other people love and have bought into. Like I watched the M- Emma Chamberlain like, Architectural yeah. Digest the other day and I was like, I don't really watch her that much. I'm not really super familiar with like what she's into and what she does, but like she opened the door and I was just immediately obsessed with her personality.
4: Because it shines through. Yeah. Because
3: she was just so herself every second.
4: Yeah. People are looking for that. You
3: know, every second, immediately what she said was so not a contrived thought. You
4: can tell when people aren't being authentic. So going back to that though, what was the truth that got you to start Jane? Jane is his company, by the way. His Yeah, name.
3: Jane, Jane's, my, Jane Jane's golf. my golf company. I think for me, it all started with, um, I watched a Tyler, the Creator interview. And this was like maybe a year ago, maybe eight months ago at this point. But I watched an interview and he just goes on this tangent where he's talking about how the world is just missing geeks. Like people that just love something so much, they go so deep into it and learn as much as they can. And then more importantly, take what they've learned and bring it back to the world from their perspective. Mm -hmm. That to me was everything. I literally hit pause on that interview and I went to my whiteboard and I started just writing down what those things were for me in my life. Collecting coffee table books, like design, clothes, golf, whatever that list is. Everyone has that list of those things that I keep saying. I feel like I keep saying in this conversation, but that light you up. It's like, I feel that. That's a feeling I want to actually get closest to in my life and make decisions based off of. So I put all that together, started thinking about what it can be and how do I create. If I was to create something in this world, because I still had my job, I wasn't even close to thinking about leaving, but like if I wanted to create something in this world, what would it feel like? Like how can I bring all these things I love together in a way that just isn't being done now? And that moment was like the genesis of like what, jane has become like over time and what it will turn into over the next 10 years like i think
4: can you give us a brief yeah summary well, of jane yeah yeah,
3: sure 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 it's it's funny because we were talking about this earlier and a, a huge thing i've learned again over the last like few months and i was building this brand like so many people focus on the what and a friend recommended this book called start with why i don't
2: yeah, know if I you guys have that. read that simon Sinek. yeah yeah
3: and um And that one really got me. That one really got me because I really started to think about like my favorite brands of all time didn't sell what they made. They they sold like the why. why. They sold like who was the person that they were tapping into, who represented them and like who actually felt just special by being a part of the brand. And that's how they build these like cult like followings, obviously Apple being one.
4: Yeah. And Nike is a great example of Nike's that, right? a perfect The example. aspirational. For sure. Like
3: you, you look at Apple and you think, Oh, you don't think computer, you think like they would say they're making tools for, for people to change yeah. the world. Right. Or Nike is making you feel invincible and being like your, your best self and, you know, going, tapping into that strength that everyone has deep down. It's like these companies tap into the emotion of like who the people are and what their values are. So when people ask me like what, I get these DMs all the time. Like I only started the Instagram like two months ago, but it's grown in a way I'm really stoked about because I'm finding people that when I go jump into their their pages, it's like, for some reason, they're I love what they're into. Like they're either designers, they're photographers, they love playing golf, or they love this, or they love that. So I, I understand that like I'm starting to create something that's more rooted in that why instead of the what yet. And I know what the what's going to be now and down the road, but I wanted to build something that was built on values. Mm -hmm. And for me, (laughs) inclusivity matters, especially in golf. And I want to be a brand that's on the right side of that. Style matters, being unconventional matters. And how do I create something that every post I put out, you start to, whether it's again, conscious or not, like you start to feel those things and you start to, you start to go, Oh, I like that. I like how that Post looks, or I like that he's posting about that, or I like he's that he's talking about that because that's not usually done in our sport. So I'm really tapping into the why, and that's why the first thing I'm making is turning Jane into a character that represents just uh, the new golfer, just updating the traditional stereotype of what a golfer is. Because I think it's very traditionally known as being a sport that feels a bit boring, that feels a bit like the old white man country club yeah. sport. And, um, that's just not the game that I've, that's not the full picture. That's definitely a a real part of it. But what I see is a game that like brings people together from all walks of life and people that when I go play, I like going and playing by myself and just meeting another three people in my group and learning about their lives throughout the course of that four hours. Because if you could find something that does that and takes you outside and becomes this escape for you. Especially during COVID. Like that was my like that was my happy place. Like that was my getting out there and just taking a deep breath and like having amazing conversations and seeing where that went. Like that's at the core of why I love the game. And what I'm doing is finding people and creating this character and creating this ethos that actually draws in a community of people that all value the same things that this company will value. And I think with strength and numbers, you start to Then create products and then create things that tangibly represent that. So it's tough to answer the "what is Jane" question, but I think I
4: love the "why" much Mm -hmm. better. Yeah, that's really. But yeah,
3: the why why, it's intentional because the why is definitely what I'm focused on most now.
4: Community first, in a way. But I think that's really great because I think a lot of people build companies for like the success, like money type outcome for what they deem as success. And they lose the why and the values because they're so focused on chasing the you know, totally. other side, the validation from the outside world. And that's why a lot of companies fail because they're not focusing on their why and the mm-hmm. brand and the community feel. Um, so I, I love that you're starting with that from the beginning.
3: And look, it's, it's hard to stick to that. I mean, that's something where it's like people, again, people ask me all the time, like, what is it? Like, what is it? I don't get it. What is it? Like, what mm-hmm. does that bio line even mean? And it's like, it's tough to hold the line on something mm-hmm. like that. But- I don't know. I just think it's important to it's again another part of the learning. Like I
2: think most people do. I mean, even if it's like Josie and the Pussycat subliminal messaging, people are drawn to whys. That's why Simon Sinek has that TED talk, I think, yeah. too. I went to I got my master's in integrated marketing and like I probably saw that in every single course I took over two yeah. years. Cause like it's very it's true. And actually to your point that like p- things might get replaced, what I find really interesting is I actually think there's been a lot of DTC brands that don't have very healthy wise. And it's become a little bit like mm-hmm. this founder syndrome trap where like we have products that are just like modernizing the, I don't even know what, you know, to like, and it's not even like a function of really good product design mm-hmm. or soul or values mm-hmm. or community. And so then you end up with like, even in Soho in New York or on Abbott Kinney in Venice and I don't, I'm not bagging on DTC brands. There's a lot of great ones, but there are just sometimes I feel like a crowded street of soulless companies that all are blanding like Millennial Pink and, you know, all have like punny (laughs) ads. And I think like you had a very specific why for Breeze. And I do think that like, that is so important. I'm hoping we steer more into that way than more into just like, I'm going to disrupt this space. Yeah,
4: because then they end just up because. like becoming fads, mm-hmm. right? You get all these totally. people behind it and then next thing you know, it's not relevant anymore if you don't have a strong why. If you have a strong why, they can create... Relevancy across different periods, and you can evolve with your community, not just like be part of like their health phase or their you know their different phases in their life. Like life is all about evolving,
2: uh, of course. And I think also to like pay homage to like golf is an older sport, and like I've obviously discussed this with you at length, but like still paying homage to like what golf means Mm -hmm. in certain communities Mm -hmm. and like the people who play, and that's important too. And per my tennis idea, same thing. Because I even think about branded, like when I see like the Kiko Man sushi soy sauce, I'm like, I hope that never changes. I Mm -hmm. hope it doesn't become like blanding because I like that it's this like old school brand, you know, like I think hopefully we're moving back into that because I do think there was this era of just spitting out these machines, you know, all of these like famous branding agencies that just create cookie cutter like templates for success. And yeah, I hope that changes.
3: I mean, look, it's a it's a longer term strategy for sure. So, but that's th- healthier, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, again, like I think everyone not has not just for the-
4: your company, for your health. Yeah, for your definition of happiness.
3: Yeah, uh, for sure. Like that, it very much aligns with what I think my mission is, what my purpose is, which I think is like another huge thing that I again talk to Cynthia about all the time. I think it's it's really important. For people to find that in life, like I think, understanding what your purpose is, once what your mission is as a human being,
2: what the point and is. bring,
3: yeah, and what the point is, there you go. <laughs> is I think you you end up making not wrong decisions, mm-hmm. but you end up you end up shifting the outside of the path if like you don't very clearly know like where you want to go, and you don't put the blinders on, you let just other opportunities or other things just pull you and push you. So what, um, I've been struggling with this, what is my purpose question for a bit? Because I think it's so hard. It's like when you were in, it's like we're in high school or college and people like ask you the question, like, what "What do you want to do? do? You know, like, what are you going to do? And it's like, uh, you just think of like the thing you maybe like the most. And then you just sort of like put that answer. Then you sort of cement yourself in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, Cynthia said something really, it was amazing to me. It was profound to me in the moment. Where when I was struggling with it again, this is like this is live, like this is like still within the past like two weeks. She was just like, stop f- trying to force yourself to answer the question, and actually sit in the question as much as you possibly can until the answer appears, and just start repeating that question in your head, out loud, whatever throughout the day. Can and you just,
2: repeat the question right now? What's just like what's your yeah?
3: Or- just for me, I I repeat in my head throughout the day what's your purpose
4: but i also think like it's a hard question to answer because it's so like heavy it's like a lot totally. but it's also like what's what's your purpose today it can change from mm-hmm. tomorrow like we're evolving well, I so i think that's
2: a huge fallacy that needs to be rice. debunked is i think and i do think for some people they're like at five like i'm going to be a chef or like i'm going to be a singer and like maybe that evolves they eventually become a producer or this or that but i think that's what we need to allow more of is like that sort of self-exploration and being like it's okay if what fulfilled you four years ago no longer fulfills you. And it's okay if your point changes. Totally.
3: And by the way, what's your purpose doesn't mean what is your job.
4: No. Not and what that is your career? I think too, I think that that's, a huge, yeah.
3: that's a huge piece of it is like, you don't have to put yourself in that box. It could very much be about how you want to move or what energy you want to bring to every room. So that's just something that I want to say out loud because it helped. It does help me every day a ton is like going through that mindful like practice of like just at if you don't know the answer to something stop stressing yourself over not knowing the answer to this thing it comes to you and then just start asking the question and then as you thoughts are powerful like as you start to Mm -hmm. ask that question to yourself like you'll at least be more mindful inch by inch every day of like what are those signs that are clearly
2: just right in front of you we always end with what's the point Mm. but we did sort of touch on sounds like you're in process.
4: No, but I think what are some of the like values of like your fulfillment and happiness for now, which is like, what is your point right now? Like, what is your.
3: Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind for what is my point right now, I think there's, I think I have to split it into sort of two things. I think there's like a personal point and a career point just because I think there's so much happening in, in, both on both, yeah, in both realms. And I think personally, what the point is, is A, just understanding that like, and we didn't really touch on this at all, but I think when you're with your family, when you're with like the people you're closest to is like, actually, that's where you're the biggest mirror of like who you are and where you are is, right? And I think that's just to go back to golf for a second, like golf became important to me as a game because it taught me a lot about character. When you hit a bad shot, Or when you watch someone hit a bad shot and you react to that and how it, to some people, it feels like their life is over. Mm -hmm. I think that just says a lot about like where you are, like, and how you really process things and like where you need to put work in to yourself, like off the golf course. So I think when I think about personally and growth and like being now like addicted to that, like getting to the root of all these things. I think making sure I do that every week or every day as much as I possibly can is incredibly important. Like that's a big point of a a big learning that I'm taking in right now, but it's also just making sure I'm like being present with my family. I think that was saying before, it's like watching this kid grow up, like making sure I'm realizing that like everything I do, she takes in and sees whether she knows it or not. So again, when I start to think about my therapy sessions and, how all the shit that I'm dealing with now started when I was her age. I'm just being super mindful of that. So that's, that's number one on like, what's the point right now of like what's happening personally. And I think in terms of my career and what I'm building, it's just all about accepting the uncomfortable and just knowing that like, that is actually the point of this whole process is, stepping into these things you have no idea about and instead of like looking to other people for solutions you sort of have to just look inward to find them.
4: Yeah, so what do you say to wrap up like that on the career side the point is the journey?
3: 100%.
4: And on the personal and career side it's presence. I love that. On that note on that note <laughs> thank you so much Chris yeah, we're so cool. excited Where's to hear that? more about Jane and hear more about your why. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.